I'm excited to be here at Genesis. It's been, uh, you know, my wife here, Rachel, it's been probably maybe a year and a half since we've been here. And so it's just cool being able to come back to an environment where, uh, honestly, I first uh, kind of found my calling and my passion to be uh, in ministry. And so I was 20 years old when I first came to uh, Genesis and just really heard uh, God's heart for wanting us to do something bigger with our lives. God's heart for having a purpose and a calling on each of us. And so it's cool being here uh, tonight, being able to share with you guys uh, a little bit about me. Uh, uh, my wife is here with me, Rachel. We've got uh, two incredible, reckless, crazy boys who are three and one years old, and it is just a lot of fun. Uh, and so uh, another cool tidbit is um, uh, some of our, our guys here with us, like Austin that you guys know, and Andrew and Jake. So they're all part of our student ministry staff, and I get the pleasure of being able to do life with them uh, constantly. I'm the student pastor here at Northwood, and so uh, it truly is a joy to be able to like hang out with you guys tonight. And uh, to be honest with you, when, when Kevin asked, hey, can you come you know, share in a couple weeks at Genesis. Uh, I was like, sure, on my favorite Jesus story, you know, I'll pick one of my favorite, you know, my favorite Christ stories, share about it, it'll be awesome. Uh, but after a couple days, a couple weeks, I felt like God started to plant something inside of me a little bit and, and just kind of stir really a timely word for probably maybe where you guys kind of find yourselves at this season of life. Uh, and so I'm excited to be able to share that with you uh, and kind of what that looks like a little bit. And so let me do this. I want to I pray for you guys. Uh, and I kind of just want to kick off the night, just kind of putting maybe whatever we walked in here with to the side a little bit uh, and just be kind of focused on what God's wanting to teach us tonight. And so if you guys are good with that, let's go ahead and pray real quick and uh, we'll, we'll move on through this. So uh, Father, we just thank you for tonight, God. It's a privilege and an opportunity to be able to dig into your word and grow closer to you. Lord, you have such a love and passion for us. And God, when we tune into that, when we receive that, when we open up our hearts and our minds to be able to experience that, Jesus, we find new life. And so tonight, Lord, we are asking for you to speak straight to our hearts. We're asking for you to be able to give us what we need uh, in order to change, in order to move forward, God. And so we're thankful for tonight. Uh, we love you, we praise you, and in your name, Amen. And so last year I had the privilege at 26 years old, finally graduating from college. Okay. And so, you know, you get out of high school and most of the times your parents are like, you got to go to college. You got to get life figured out. And so I went to college at USC, but yet again, didn't have life figured out. And so I dropped out of college, uh, came back here to Charleston and, uh, and kind of just put college on the back burner for a little bit. And so after getting married, getting into ministry, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, I went back to school uh, at Liberty University uh, uh, online, and it was awesome. And I finally, after a few years, got the privilege of graduating. And so uh, last May, me and my family took a trip up to Liberty in order to uh, walk, do the ceremony. I'd never been to the campus before, and so I figured if you're going to go, it might as well be the day you graduate. And so, cool, let's do it. And so uh, we called my parents and we were like, hey, we're going on this vacation. You guys pay for it, but you can come along with us. And uh, we'll go, you, you get to watch your son graduate. Like, duh. Like, and so they were like, cool, we'll do that. We'll buy the cabin and all the food, and then uh, we'll watch you graduate. And so we were, like, really excited about it, okay? And so uh, me and Rachel drove up. Uh, we got to our cabin a day early. We told my parents that, like, it's going to be a two-day cabin, but we actually did it for three days so we could have, like, private time <laughs> without my parents there, and so uh, it was cool. So we get to the final day where we get to go to the graduation ceremony, and it's about an hour away from our cabin, and at this point, had anybody ever been to Liberty or Lynchburg or anywhere up there? Okay, it's beautiful, 
It's also like a mini Atlantic because there's cars everywhere with nowhere to go. Like, it's kind of miserable on this weekend. Like, there's literally just like a bazillion cars in one road, okay? And that's it. And so, essentially, I leave early in the morning to go to campus, uh, and I'm dressed in like my finest. By that, I mean like the only tie I own, <laughs> I have on that day, like the only pair of dress shoes I own. Like, I'm in student ministry. I don't... I don't dress nice. I dress cool, okay? That's what you do, okay? And so, like, I had the only attire I had that looked presentable, and so I did that, dressed up, had the, the gown, dress, whatever you want to call it, okay? I had my hat tipped to the side. I was ready to go, okay? And so I'm in my car driving to graduation, and this is just the coolest drive ever for me because this had been, like, eight years of God showing me little by little, like, Corey, I have a plan for you. Corey, like, you're, you're walking through graduation, but really this is just the next stepping stone for what I'm wanting to show you what you're going to do with your life. And so me and God are having talks on the way there. Like, it's awesome. Like, I'm blaring worship music, like praying, just looking at the environment. I was, I was soaking in this experience for everything it had to offer. I get there. I know not a single person, but I pretend I know everybody. And so I must have given away like 500 knuckles that day. Like, I was like, oh, you're graduating too, because you're wearing the same thing I am. Like, I didn't know anybody, so I didn't know what to talk about, but I was soaking in this experience. It was awesome, okay? Like, I'm sitting at graduation. People start speaking. I'm just nervous and excited to walk and grab my diploma. Like, we leave that day, grab some of the best food, go back. Awesome time, okay? While I'm there, there's another car coming to also meet me at graduation, and that car includes my parents, my wife, and my two kids, they had a little bit of a different experience that day than I did. My experience was incredible. Their experience was not so great. Maybe your dad's kind of like mine, but GPS is just, you know, suggestion <laughs> is what GPS is. And so my dad decides, I don't need GPS. I'm just going to drive. And so they start heading in the wrong direction <laughs> to arrive to graduation. Not only do they head in the wrong direction, but once they finally get to where they kind of need to be. Traffic is so bad at this point that there's no way off the interstate. Like, they're just deadlocked in the interstate. Now, I don't know if you can relate or not, but my dad, you don't just have situations happen to you. Like, you have to curse every single word, like, word, like, that is in your vocabulary at every situation, okay? And so, like, for every single taillight, there is a cuss word that comes out with it, okay? For every single, like, stop, there is, man, it would just happen to happen this day. Like, like, there's just this attitude of, like, ruining everything. Like, of course this would happen to me. And so, like, Rachel's in the car texting me, like, hey, babe, I don't know if we're going to make it to graduation in time. And I was like, oh, really? Why is that? Three-letter word, dad. <laughs> like, that's all I needed to know. Like, I knew everything at that moment that was going to happen. It's like, they finally arrive. He parks in the completely wrong parking lot. Like, has no idea where he's going. They then have to run. They don't even make it to the ceremony section. They literally make it, like, right in time for me to walk across stage and grab my diploma. As soon as we do that, my dad's like, hey, we need to go. We're out of here. Like, we're done. Okay? I was like, all right, let's just walk three miles back to the car then. Like, it was just the worst experience in the world for them at that time. And it, like... I think Rachel called me crying like three times, like, I'm going to miss your big day. Like, I'm going to miss it. Like, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. We'll get pictures or something, and, you know, I'll keep the cap and gown. So if you ever want me to wear it at some point, like, <laughs> I've got it handy, you know, like, and so, but, uh, you know, it was just the worst experience for them. And so here's what happened. Like, we both had the same situation we were in. We were both in the same environment. 
We both had the same things that we were, we were facing, but there was two completely different outcomes to it. There was two completely different attitudes that were handled in this situation. There was me having one attitude about the situation. There was my dad in that car having a completely different experience and attitude about the situation. Tonight, I kind of want to get into a story in the Bible where there's two different people encountering and experiencing the same situation, but yet again, both of them have completely different attitudes about it. And so we're going to jump into Luke a little bit tonight. I kind of want to set the scene for you. Uh, Jesus had lived his, his ministry time. At this point, he had already been on trial. At this point, in fact, he was about to go onto the cross. And we pick up the story right when he is being put onto the cross. And we see two other people join him uh, in this journey, in this situation. Luke 23, 32 through 33 says this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, with Jesus. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And so we encounter two guys alongside Jesus who was put onto the cross, right to the side of him. And we see that Luke paints this picture a little bit further. It doesn't just stop there. Like, it's cool to know where they're at, but we want to feel the tension of kind of what they're experiencing. And so Luke goes on a little bit more in 34 through 38. It says this, Jesus cried out to the Father and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers began gambling for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a sign was fastened above him with the words, this is the king of Jews. I would love to say we're going to talk about a situation tonight where two people are experiencing their wedding day. Or where two people are experiencing graduation day. Or where two people are experiencing a promotion at work or they just started dating. Or, like, I'd love to say this is a great story of what these people are going through. But oftentimes I think we relate to the mess more than they do the greatness of kind of how things go on. And so this is a, a terrible situation these two guys find themselves in. We see this is a situation that Jesus is fulfilling God's will to restore and redeem mankind. And there happens to be just two bystanders that get to partake in seeing it. This is where we kind of find the situation. We don't even know what kind of like criminals they were. Like, did they mug somebody? Did they kill somebody? Did some dude sleep with someone he wasn't supposed to? Like, we have no idea what these guys' crimes were. But they find themselves in an unlikely situation. And what we see is we see both of them choose to handle it differently. Both of them are in the same situation, but yet again have two completely different attitudes. We're going to look at those two attitudes real quick as the story continues in verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed, and he said, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Two people, same situation, two different attitudes. I kind of want to break those two attitudes apart a little bit because here's what I truly believe to be true, this. Our attitudes can rob us from experiencing the power of Jesus in our lives. Our attitudes 
about how we view situations, about how we view what we're going through, about how we view maybe even what we feel like God's doing in our lives. Like our attitudes towards those situations can completely rob us from experiencing the power of Jesus in our lives. And we see the first man was the guy that kind of scoffed at Jesus, the guy that ridiculed him, the guy that made fun of, the guy that didn't, didn't believe Jesus was able to do what he said he did. And we see this is a man who had an attitude of pride. He doesn't see his need for Jesus and he's left to die without Jesus. This is one attitude that, that's held in this situation by these two guys. Proverbs 16, 18 says this very shortly. It just says, hey, pride comes before destruction. This guy had a prideful attitude and destruction literally followed hours later with his life. I, th- I think it kind of goes like this, like pride leads to destruction, but there's a little bit of a journey with it. I think pride first leads to distance, and then distance is what ends up leading you to destruction. So what had happened, this guy had distanced himself from whatever faith he had, if he had any. He distanced himself from maybe a God he once believed in. He distanced himself from Jesus at this point. There was a barrier between him that he wanted to keep distant, and that distance eventually led to his destruction. This is what pride does. Maybe, maybe for you in your own life, you can, you can tell when pride begins to creep up because distance between you and God creeps up at the same time. That's what happens. Pride in our lives, it says, hey, I don't need God. I can handle this. I can handle this situation. I can handle this relationship. I can handle this temptation. I can handle what I'm facing. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to distance myself from God. And when you're distanced from God, the only outcome is destruction. That's it. And so we see an attitude of a guy in a situation, and he chose to handle it with pride. And that pride distanced himself from Jesus, and being distant from Jesus led him to destruction. So one man chooses pride, while the other chooses a different attitude. And here's the attitude the other guy had. The other guy chose humility. Humility, because here's what's true. If our attitudes can rob us from experiencing the power of Jesus in our lives, then the inverse is also true. Our attitudes can better help us experience the power of Jesus in our lives. See, the second man saw his need for Jesus, and because of it, it allowed him to experience Jesus at that moment. Here's what I kind of find funny. If you look at Jesus' ministry, if you look at how Jesus did life with people, he often didn't find the most talented. He often didn't find the most qualified. He didn't find the best woodworkers, the best speakers, the best communicators. He didn't even find the people that were able to like love their families the best or their friends the best. Like, he didn't find the best of anything. You know what he did is he found the humble ones. The humble ones that were able to say, you know what? I don't have it all figured out, but I'm willing to say, Jesus, I need you. That's why constantly Christ was talking about, hey, the first will be last among you. You have to have a spirit of humility. Here's what I truly believe. That Jesus can do more through our humility than he can our ability. Maybe in here tonight, like you're super talented or gifted at something, or maybe you feel like you're, you're really good at maybe being a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a, or a wife or a husband. You're really good at being a parent. You're really good at raising, you know, a dog. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe you feel like there's some type of ability you have with sports or communication. Or You guys are young adults. You know what I'm talking about. There's something you naturally feel inclined that you're good at. God is way more concerned with your humility than he is that ability that he has blessed you with. Way more. He can do way more through your humility than he's able to in your ability. And so we see these two guys in the same exact situation, but yet again, their attitude was completely different. Completely different. I love the way, if you can go back to the end of that that past verse section, um, 39 through 43, I love the way that it's written here at the end. 
Luke 23, 39 through 43. Perfect. I love that his humility allowed him to recognize his need for Jesus and Jesus responds in the immediate. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, I need you. And immediately Jesus replied and said, hey, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. Humility brings a sense of relief. Humility brings a, brings a sense of, of knowing God is in control in situations and places that you're not in control. There's a relief that comes when you're able to be humble, but that's the last thing oftentimes we want to choose. We want to choose the pride route. I can handle this. I can do this. I know this situation I find myself in, but I want to be in control. Pride leads to distance, and distance leads to destruction. But humility is what gives you the relief and the sense of peace and the sense of moving forward with what Jesus wants to do in your life. It's true. Could it be that our attitudes are keeping us from growing in our relationship with Jesus? Our simple attitudes, our simple mindsets, could it be that those are the things that really are keeping us from growing in our relationship with Christ? Maybe you sit down and it's the way you view when you read scripture. Maybe it's the attitude you have when you have to pray. Maybe it's the attitude you have by walking in these doors on a Tuesday night and just saying like, maybe I won't meet anybody. Maybe God won't speak to me. Maybe nobody wants me here. Could it be the attitude that you have that's actually hindering you from moving along further with your relationship with Jesus? Is it possible? Here's the thing. All of us are in these situations to some degree. Maybe it's in a situation that you are looking for a relationship and that's the situation you find yourself in. And so you're finding value in the fact of saying like, man, I gotta find someone to date. I gotta figure out who I did life with. Maybe I know what I wanna do with life and now I gotta figure out who I wanna do it with. Maybe you're in a situation of waiting that you've been praying and praying and praying and asking God for something, but there's just a wait season or an unanswered rest that you just are, are craving and needing, but you just don't know what's going on right now. Maybe you're in a situation where there's just family trouble, family chaos. You can talk to both me and Rachel. Both of our families are screwed up, like completely screwed up. Like maybe you're in a situation of just family trouble. Maybe you're in a situation with finances. Maybe you're waiting for a job and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Or maybe you have a job, but it doesn't supply what you need it to do with what you want to do. Or maybe you're figuring out, what am I supposed to do? Like here's the thing, like the attitude you have towards those things can hinder how Jesus wants to work in you and through you in those things. Your attitude can rob you of experiencing Christ in the situations that seem dark the waiting situations, the grieving situations, the sin situations, the temptation situations, all these situations that seem like literally you are sitting on the cross in terror and waiting, your attitude and your approach to it can hinder you from experiencing what Jesus is wanting to do to you in that moment. And I, I, I gotta be honest, like there's some of us in this room that are in the middle of a situation right now and we just have a bad attitude towards it. Maybe we're hurt by it. Maybe we're frustrated by it. Maybe we're upset by it. But here's the thing. Like, if you could just switch your focus for a second, just for a second. Because here's what I truly believe. Like, oftentimes what we expect is what we experience. Like, when we walk into a situation in a victim mindset, we're going to leave that experience feeling like the victim. My, my same dad who had a terrible experience, like, that's the way he lives his life. And it's been inherited into me if I'm not careful. Like, I literally will go home and tell Rachel, like, I wonder what's going to break today. I wonder which kids get a color on the wall today. I wonder which flat tires get to go off today. I want, like, my attitude is already in victim mind. Like, what I'm expecting, I'm going to end up experiencing. And that's the truth for every single one of us. Every single one of us. 
Christ has said, hey, I've given you life and life to the fullest. But there's also a devil who's wanting to steal that away from you. Here's the thing. You get to pick that. In the same way God went to Cain and Abel and said, hey, it's, it's de- the devil's desire that he should overtake you, but you have to choose which mindset you're going to have. He chose wrongly, killed his brother. Shame. <laughs> Especially because I have two boys. Like, I don't want them murdering each other. You know, That's brutal. <laughs> but for real, what, oftentimes what we expect, we so often experience. We walk into a situation with a victim mindset, you're going to leave experiencing being a victim. You walk into this room tonight and you just go, I don't even know if I'm wanted here. You're going to leave probably thinking you're not wanted here. You walk into to, to worship and you go, ah, I'm not expecting God to do something cool in my life. You're probably going to walk away experiencing not God, you know, God not doing something cool in your life. Or how do you pray? What are you expecting when you pray? What are you expecting when you pray for real? Like, go to God, I pro- you're probably not going to do anything about this. But here it is anyway. So, like, you're going to experience what you're expecting. And so on the cross, they were expecting death. But this is one of my favorite Jesus stories because this is what happened. Jesus gave the guy that was humble something completely different than what he was actually going to have to go through. Listen to this. I I love this this kind of end of the story right here, the last couple verses. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Listen, then Jesus shouted, Father, I trust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. Jesus died in the same way the two guys on the other side of him died, but only one was able to experience life. Only one. You know why? Because he changed his attitude for how he was going to interact with Jesus. That's what changed. Why is this my favorite Jesus story? Because Jesus was willing to humble himself first before he asked us to humble ourselves. Humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. For everybody that could be prideful, it was Jesus here. He was the son of God. Hop down, do whatever. Like he had the right to do what he want, but he said, you know what? It's It's not pride that's going to save my people. It's my humility that is going to save them. Because if I am humble to my people, then guess what? They are going to respond the same way. If you want to connect with Jesus, you should probably do what Jesus does. If he humbled himself, he's calling us to humble ourselves in order to connect with him. A humble Jesus and a prideful Corey does not connect. A humble Jesus and a prideful Jonathan does not connect. Does that make sense? He is asking you to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Don't let your current situation distort or steal your relationship with Jesus. Your current situation. The one that the attitude's not good at. And you know, whatever that might be for your life. Relational, financial, prayer, waiting, whatever that is. Like, don't let the current situation distort or steal your relationship with Jesus because your attitude towards it can make all the difference for what you do for Jesus tomorrow. And what he allows you to do for him tomorrow. So don't allow that current situation to rob that from you. Don't allow your attitude towards it to rob it from you. Like Jesus humbled himself and died for you so that you could experience the same. And the only way you're going to find that is through your humility. I think oftentimes what we do is be in our own pride, we try to do things in our own strength. You know, I'm good at something, so I'm allowed to be prideful at it because that's what makes me stand out. Where Jesus said, hey, the pride road never connects with the Jesus road. It's always through humility. Always through humility. Here's, 
kind of the real truth tonight I want you to understand. In whatever situation you might find yourself in right now, and here's, here's the beautiful thing about the cross is we're all even there. Like your situation might be really, really terrible right now for you. And your situation might be the exact same for you. Guess what? In some degree, we all feel the weight of our own cross. Just like these guys next to it. That's why Jesus says, pick up your own cross. Why? Because we each have the weight of our cross. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. But this is what I know about Jesus' cross. That he has the power to change our attitudes. He has the power to change our attitudes. He has the power to change how we view the situations we find ourselves in. He has the power to even redeem how we're viewing those situations. Because guess what? Some of them are really, really hard to change how we're viewing it. Really, really hard. But Christ has the power to change that for you. I'm praying and I'm kind of worshiping back there, just kind of soaking in the night. And like, you know, I'm used to six, sixth through twelfth graders and lead, like they're a lot more emotional. Like, so like, you know, they get emotional about things. And we pray, like, here's what I want you to understand. Like, whatever situation you find yourself in, not the emotional side of it. Not the what if, like you have a God that humbled himself and died for you so that you could find life in whatever situation you find yourself in. And the only way that happens is through humility. And I know that's tough. I know that's tough. But so was dying in the middle of the cross of those two sinners. It really was. And that didn't stop Jesus because of how much he loved every single one of us. And so since, you, you know, some of you guys don't know me and the other ones that do know me, they're they know I'm cool with awkward situations because <laughs> that's just how I live my life, just awkward situations because I feel like God moves in the awkward a lot more times than he does the, the normal. And so this is what I want to do. I didn't tell any of the Genesis staff this, sorry. Like, I would love for you to pair up in like three or fours and I would love for you to maybe share what that cross situation is for you right now and be willing to allow God to do something to change your attitude of it. And just be willing. Just, just be willing to expect something different. We see in Ephesians that, that God is able to do more than we could hope, dream, or ever imagine. If that's the same God that died on the cross, and that's the same God that we believe in and we trust in, then we can expect that. So this is what I want to do. Make it super awkward. I'm good with that. If you need music or whatever, we're all young adults. You guys, you guys, you guys are old enough to own your own relationship with Jesus or... or or say right now it's not for me. And guess what? You have the power to do that. And that is perfectly fine. But band included right now too I think is, is good for. I, I would love for you guys to get together in like a three or four person group. And if you don't share exactly what that is, that's okay too. But just honestly recognize your need of an attitude shift in some area of your life. Just find somebody to confide that in a little bit uh, as we kind of get close to, to wrapping up tonight. So let me do this. I'm going to pray. And then I would love you to just find a spot somewhere in the room, three or four of you or whatever that kind of looks like. And guess what? It's going to be awkward, but the more willing you're stepping into the awkward, that's pride getting broken down. And as we talked about, Christ works through the humble. And so let me pray for you guys, and we'll kind of move into that for a second. Jesus, Lord, you died for us. You gave up everything so that we may live, so that we may have an opportunity tonight to even respond to you, God. And I want to expect nothing less than who you are. Who you are is Savior, Redeemer, Healer, Comforter. God, that's what we're expecting in this room tonight. In some broken situations, for you to be the healer. 
In some uncomfortable situations, for you to be the God of comfort. In some broken situations, for you to be the God of redeeming. In some sin situations, for you to be the God of forgiveness. God, we are expecting nothing short of than who you say you are. Father, that's what we're expecting here tonight. And so we love you, God. We respond, God. One chose to sit on the side and have pride. The other chose to engage in who you are and what you were doing. Father, I pray that tonight we would be a group of people who engage in who you are by humbling ourselves, God, and moving in the direction you have called us. And so we love you. We praise you. God, we, 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 move, forward, we move forward in obedience to you. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.